reading one verse this morning of Scripture for our beginning, for our text, uh, and uh, we'll be reading others to go with that. Uh, but we're looking at uh, Luke chapter 21 and verse 28. Luke 21, 28. The title of the message is Looking for the Completion of Redemption. Looking for the Completion of Redemption. So would you stand with me for a moment? We'll read that scripture. And when ye see these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Dear Lord, this is your service. This is your word. Lord, as we endeavor to give instruction from the word this morning, encouragement, as we endeavor to impart encouragement, as we endeavor to open the scriptures and understanding, I pray, dear Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit will be in charge, have his way. You know the limitations that are many that your servant has. And Lord, we're glad that we are your servant and you're in charge. So I pray you'll speak to our hearts this morning that Lord Jesus will feel the presence of your spirit and your direction and guidance in our lives. We ask these favors in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. As you probably know, uh, being students of the word, Matthew 24 has a great deal to say about the end times. And, of course, here in Luke chapter 21, uh, again, this addresses end times. And Jesus is telling his disciples that there are going to be some things that are going to happen um, that are not going to be pleasant as believers for them to go through. Probably there's no time in the history of our nation that we face more perilous times as Christians than we do today when there is more pressure against the free proclamation of the gospel. There is more pressure about a person having steadfast held religious beliefs that are contrary to culture, that we live in a day when information is coming so quickly 
that it's hard for us to keep up with what they're talking about and why they're talking about it and what it means and what, it, what uh, people are intending to do with the information. But we feel the pressure all the time to comply, comply, do what you're told, don't question. So we hear a lot today about the shot or not the shot. That is the question, the shot or not the shot. For some of us, it's too late. We already got the shot. But now, the next question, will there be a booster shot? And are we going to comply? Or are we going to be shut out of society? Are we not going to be able to eat in the restaurants? We might not even be able to drive through McDonald's drive through We are in great jeopardy in our country today. And the more we hear about it, the more we hear about what is known about the, vi the virus, the more we think the ones that are giving the information don't actually know what they're talking about, which doesn't give us a great deal of confidence in following any kind of direction. And we hear from one source that uh, it is not dangerous to a certain group, and then we hear that, oh, it's dangerous to a certain group, that uh, pregnant women uh, could be at risk, uh, that uh, young children could be at risk. Uh, we hear, we hear, and it's almost a daily adjustment, isn't it? And we hear from the so-called experts, the so-called experts that uh, are like the changing wind, <laughs> that one day it's one way, another day it's another way, and it makes it all the worse because we live in a day when that you can replay what they said just a short time ago and realize that they've, they've reversed themselves. They're going a different direction now. I said this morning, <clears throat> because there was an episode a couple weeks ago, maybe a week ago, I think it was a couple weeks ago, where a former president had a big, a big shindig and, of course, the former president is big on masking. We need to mask. But before the technological, technical people, I should say, that had an opportunity to take down the shot, we saw that the former president was cheek to cheek and not worried at all about spreading a virus. But then we heard about these motorcyclists that go out to Sturgis, South Dakota, and I'm not endorsing that, uh, whatever's going on in Sturgis, South Dakota, I've never been there. Uh, but uh, that was a super spreader event. 
because they weren't going to be wearing masks, even though they were outside with the wind blowing across their faces and whatever, at least for a good part of the time. So I made the comment this morning that in this church, it's not a super spreader event this morning. That's one thing to praise the Lord for, isn't it? Uh, with the negatives, that this is not a super spreader event. And if we get put on national news, they can't accuse us of having a super spreader event. So there's a praise the Lord for that, isn't it? Yeah, okay. We have to take a positive away from the negatives that are all about us. So we know that God has a plan and that is encapsulated in this verse that I read to you where he says, when these things begin to come to pass. So the things that he has talked about, and you can read back over them in Luke chapter 21 and Matthew, where Jesus spells out things that are coming. There's been a lot of interpretation done on eschatology. You know what eschatology is? It's the doctrine of future things. It's the doctrine of future things. And so, it just means what's going to happen. Uh, there, there, I recall years ago, sitting in the big North Church and uh, hearing somebody from, I think it was the, the uh, Bible League at that time, I think it then became the American Bible Society. They were talking about Nebuchadnezzar's image and the different levels that each one of those sections of that image that Nebuchadnezzar had seen in his dream, what particular era that represented. And, and for people that study history and, and know the particular designation uh, of those cultures, uh, it all made sense. I could not begin to tell you all of it this morning, uh, but it was fascinating, and I wondered how anybody could know that much uh, because it, it goes right down that image, then goes down to the toes, doesn't it? If you read that in Daniel, it comes down to the toes and, and uh, the, the division of the... Uh, of uh, Rome and how all those branched out. And I thought this morning as I, as I was being prompted for the message, trying to discern the mind of the Lord, sometimes that's, that's a struggle to know what you're going to speak on, what you're going to say. You don't, you don't want to be like just saying anything. Uh, you, you don't want to be a person that uh, is all the time in somebody's face about stuff. You don't want to scare people to death with things that are going on because we have enough <laughs> uh, natural fears that come to us from things that we hear on the news and so forth. But 
I felt like what God wanted me to bring to you this morning was that God's time clock continues to move, folks. Doesn't mean that everything that's going to happen about us is under God's control. As far as God's control, I mean by his will being done in individual lives or that everything that happens, that, that God programmed that to happen, God controls, he has total control. But we talked about it in Bible study Wednesday night that people are responsible for what they do. God does use hard hearts and God does use Satan's tricks and schemes for his own glory. But it does not mean that everything that happens that God is responsible for putting that into a person's mind or heart. And so you get into a lot of the sovereignty of God when you talk about these kind of things, that God is in sovereign control, that everything that happens, uh, that is something that God calls to happen. God uses those things, but we can't, we can say that hurricanes come, that natural disasters, earthquakes come. Can we say, well, perhaps at times God does use a natural disaster to get people's attention. But some things God allows because he has established nature. We talk about mother nature. And some people act like, you know, nature, all nature is good. No, not really. If you're allergic to poison ivy, that's not too good. Either. That's pretty natural occurring and pretty hard to get rid of. Um, so God has established certain patterns that do work. He does at times see fit to use those things. At times, he does not see fit to interfere with those things. And when we come to those things that affect our lives, God gives us grace to go through whatever adverse effect they have upon us. It may be a loss to us as far as property or even life of loved ones. Um, accidents happen all the time, don't they? And we pray for God's protection. We pray for God's help and we pray for God's grace. He does not always see fit to interfere and intervene in natural occurring events. And so we cannot shake our fist at God because we live, in a, we live in a risky world, don't we? My father used to say to me, it seemed like all the time whenever I went out, was be careful, be careful, be careful. <laughs> uh, it was just because father 
loved me. It wasn't just me, but every one of the family was, be careful. Uh, we do need to be careful, don't we? And God honors a person taking precautions and, and using common sense. Isn't it amazing that God, who is all wisdom, would honor common sense, which is not very common anymore? <laughs> but he does honor that, doesn't he? People that I have known across the years uh, have shared some sometimes wisdom and insight and things, uh, and it's, it's been a valuable tool to me. And sometimes I look back and wish, I wish I'd have known that sooner. It would have helped me if I knew that. Uh, I recall when I was in uh, Delaware, uh, Glenn Bennett was the funeral home director, Bennett, Bennett uh, Funeral Home there on... Uh, Sandusky Street, and uh, Glenn said to me, uh, Glenn was a big guy, and he said, uh, I go eat at Bun's restaurant. Well, that wasn't something I did, because I didn't have money to go eat at Bun's, not that they were that expensive, but it was just, we just didn't eat out like we do today. He said, uh, if... Uh, if you want to come uh, to, with me to that, uh, I think you'll learn some things. He said, because uh, that's where the lawyers come, and they eat at buns. And, and I have learned some things, and it's actually saved me money <laughs> by listening to what they have to say when we're eating together. Well, I did go, and... I can't recall if I made any money or saved any money, but it was a good experience. It was just availing myself of knowledge that could be gained that might be useful at some time in my life. So, yeah, there, there are things that we can do that can be helpful to us as we go through this world. But remember, God's will is going to be done. Whatever takes place around us, God's will is going to be accomplished. That's a good place for an amen. It is. It's a good place for an amen because it is going to be accomplished. And so he tells us that there are some things that are going to take place and he said, when these things begin to come to pass. Now look down just a little bit further in this scripture. Uh, he said to them, spoke to them a parable. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when ye shall see these things come to pass, Know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. <clears throat> and so he gave, us, he gave us a model, as it were, that if, if we see certain things happening, uh, we should know that God's plan is on target. God's plan is going to be fulfilled. Um, 
I don't, I'm fascinated as I read the uh, story of the rebuilding of the nation of Israel, the reestablishment of the nation of Israel. I don't know if you know the story of how that came to pass. But, you know, the Lord promised, and I'm not going to go back and read the scriptures. You have no doubt heard them many times. Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 3, God blessed Abraham and said, everyone that blesses you is going to be blessed. And Genesis 17, 7 and 8, where God said, this land's going to be yours. Uh, and, and many other scriptures then that when, they, when the Jews were uprooted from their land that God promised he was going to bring them back. He talked about an everlasting kingdom. Oh, that's pretty elementary for us. We've heard that, that there's going to be a kingdom established and the son of David is going to reign and that uh, God promised he was going to do that. Well, we went through a time because Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD, you know that date, by Titus, who later became an emperor of Rome. Uh, but from that time until 48, Jerusalem was trodden down, wasn't it, as it were. So look at this scripture where it talks about this. Um, it says uh, that uh, in, I think I wrote it down, uh, 20, 20, verse 24, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down to the Gentiles. Jerusalem shall be trodden down to the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So Jerusalem was trodden down for hundreds of years, wasn't it? And you know, I've told you before that uh, the land of Israel uh, had a lot of swamp land. Uh, it had a lot of un, uh, untillable, unusable ground. And because Israel was displaced, they were out of their land there were wealthy Arabs that actually bought up tracts of Israel. And when God began to move on the Jews, because there's a homing signal from Israel to Jews for them to come back. There's a homing signal, just like there is with pigeons. Uh, there's a homing signal to come. And so... We're told today, well, this I think is a few years old, but there were like 8 million Jews, like 5 million Jews in the U.S., about 8 million in Israel, and that may be a larger amount now. I'm not sure. But the, the pull to come home, come to Israel, but it was not their land, but as God began to deal with them, they began to buy land, and the Arabs thought, oh, we got some suckers here. Uh, we're going to 
we're going to sell this worthless land to these Jews. Let's face it, some of these Jews in America, in Germany, uh, in England, God's given ability to make money. And uh, they can make a lot of money. So they could, they could spend their money and buy this worthless property. Well, they've taken the, the worthless property. They began to plant trees, sycamore, and so forth that would suck up the water. And so you go through areas where there's large groves of trees that have been planted for that purpose. And then they've used irrigation and other things for drainage and for uh, arid, for desert places where they can, uh, the opposite, where there's not enough water, where they can, they can channel water. And so uh, the Arabs were glad to sell it, and the Jews bought it, and they still didn't have a nation. It still was not the land of Israel, was not the nation of the Jews. And so it came to pass, and I'll read this to you from a book that addresses this. The single most influential event that triggered the return of scattered Jews to their homeland began when Charm Wisman, W-E-I-Z-M-A-N-N, who was a Russian Jew, a brilliant chemist, and a leader in the Zionist movement, that the Zionist movement would be that the Jews have a place in God's plan, a place of significance in God's future plan. He had immigrated to England from Russia in 1904. That was a while ago, wasn't it? During World War I, English armies used gunpowder made of cordite, which produced little smoke and thus did not blind gunners to their targets to reveal their positions. So if you've never messed around with gunpowder, they got a thing called black powder. You shoot black powder and there's a cloud <laughs> that comes from that explosion that sets that projectile off. And so they were using they were using a as it were a smokeless powder. But since the manufacture of cordite required required acetone made from a compound imported from their enemy, Germany, the English government was desperate to find another source because they were at war with Germany. Prime Minister Lord George and Winston Churchill turned to Wiseman and set him up in a gin distillery where he quickly developed a biochemical process for producing synthetic acetone. The success of his ingenious process for creating acetone 
contributed to the ultimate Allied victory. The minimal salary and token reward that Bozeman received from the government earned him significant leverage when he pressed his persistent petitions, petitions for a Jewish homeland in Israel. As it happened, by war's end, England gained possession of the land of Palestine, the very land promised in God's covenant with Abraham from the defeated Ottoman Empire as an act of a grateful nation and through Wisman's influence within the government, England officially issued the Balfour Declaration of 1917, which declared His Majesty's government views with favor the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people and will use their best endeavors to facilitate the achievement of this object. Um, and so then we had the terrible massacre of Jews under Hitler. And once again, this brought sympathy to the Jewish people for the way they were being treated. They were not yet a nation, but there was this Balfour Declaration, and that's B-A-L-F-O-U-R of 1917. This brings us all the way back to May 14, 1948. On this day, the United Nations officially recognized the state of Israel with U.S. President Harry Truman de determining the deciding vote. The Israeli government established the state of Israel, thus fulfilling the 2,500-year-old prophecy recorded in the Bible. Great Britain, Britain ended its mandate in Palestine and removed its troops, leaving more than 6,500 Jews to govern themselves in their own land. And so God did what seemed to be impossible. It actually, as I read there, Harry Truman had the deciding vote we didn't have much use for Harry Truman in my house. Harry Truman was a foul mouth. And I can't remember any of the words Harry Truman said because I probably wasn't allowed to listen to him <laughs> because he used profanity. And, uh, but he did stay, uh, stick to his word. He did have the saying in his office, the buck stops here. And he did have a reverence for the things of God, even though his mouth didn't testify to it as far as the language he used. But it came down to a showdown in Harry Truman's office as to whether or not he was going to support Israel becoming a nation when a, a meeting in the White House, uh, there was a man by the name of Clifford 
who was a member of Truman's White House, uh, and there was a mastermind of America's victory in World War II, the author of the Marshall Plan. They were at odds over whether or not Israel should be granted nation status. And Marshall was set against it. In fact, he threatened Truman that he would not vote for him if Truman said that Israel could be a nation. Uh, after a, a heated discussion, Marshall glared icily at the president and said, if you follow Clifford's advice and if I were to vote in the election, I would vote against you. Everyone in the room was stunned. The meeting came to an abrupt end. Over the next two days, Clifford Truman and a handful of other workers worked toward reaching a compromise that after they succeeded, when General Marshall finally said bitterly that while he could not support the president's position, he would not oppose it. You see, he was looking at it that there were millions of Arabs surrounding Israel, and there were only 650,000 Jews. So Marshall was looking at it from a strategic point of view that the nation of Israel cannot survive because the Arabs are going to be against them and they'll crush them. And so that was Marshall's argument, and being a person who was a strategist, you can understand how he would have that point of view. But we are told that Harry Truman did support it, and Harry Truman did cast the deciding vote that Israel became a nation, and they said that Harry Truman, when the government, the new government of Israel, gave him a claim, and I believe it was at that time that actually tears flowed down Truman's face, that he was considered a person of value in getting that accomplished. God's, God's will is going to be done, folks, and God brought Israel back into nationhood even when other peoples did not retain a nationality. Peoples that are named in the Old Testament, the Edomites, you don't hear about them. You don't hear about the Ammonites and others. You can say, well, they were all Arabs. And still as a nationality, as an individual group of Arabs, you don't hear about them. So the Bible tells us that signs of the times will point to what is going to happen. And there are many things that are happening in our culture today. And you know that one of those, and it might confuse you, I'm trying to impart a little information here to you this morning. Instead of just better do this and you better do that or you're going to be judged for it. <laughs> uh, you hear the term cancel culture. Do you know what the term cancel culture means? 
you know, it, it just kind of comes across as kind of vague. There was a, there was a article that was published in the New York Times and that article was called the 1619 Project. In August of 1619, this is what the New York Times in their companion periodical, the New York Times Magazine, wrote in August of 2019, not very long ago, folks. In August of 20 of 1619, so they waited till an anniversary here of that date to run the article. A ship appeared on this horizon near Port Comfort, a coastal port in British in the British colony of Virginia. It carried more than 20 enslaved Africans who were sold to colonists. America was not yet America, but this was the movement it began. And then the writer of this, who, whose name is Nicole Hannah-Jones, builds one lie on top of another and her work was criticized as being inaccurate, but you know today that doesn't stop it. One criti critical reason it is written that the colonists declared, and this is written by Hannah Jones, declared their independence from Britain was because they wanted to protect the institution of slavery in the colonies which had produced tremendous wealth. And you know that's a lie, folks. It was over taxation without representation. But if you get enough useful idiots that do not know history and that think they're being marginalized or pushed to the side, they will swallow things like this as a reason to be against American history and against what has been taught over the generations. And so that's why it's called cancel culture because instead of 1776, 4th of July, they point back to this and they say that's why America became a nation because we wanted to be a nation of slavery. But then pray tell, why was the Civil War? Why did all those people die? And why was there the struggle that went on? Um, I say there's so many lies that are, that are spawned today that you, can't, you can hardly keep up with what they are. But when you hear cancel culture, it means cancel history as you know it. Cancel history as you know it. And swallow this that we're putting out. And there's enough college-trained, intelligent people that want to use what they have learned to turn things 
in a direction that will bring favor to their special group instead of saying America is the home of the brave and the land of the free, that America was established on principles that are given in the scripture. And yes, we haven't been a perfect nation, but we have been a nation where people have tried over and over to, again to come here from other nations. Well, other nations are trying to get out of, they're trying to get into ours, aren't they? Because we do offer, we do offer the advantage of being able to exercise initiative. You do have the opportunity to get ahead. No, you can't really get ahead if you're not willing to work, not willing to apply yourself, not willing to go after your goal, but you do have the opportunity in America if you want to do that. Or you can lay back and just take a government check and just take it easy and, and let, your, let your mind just go slack and really not know what's going on. So God's will is going to be accomplished the times of the Gentiles are still going on, folks. There's still people that are non-Israel that are getting saved. People are still coming to Jesus. But there's coming a time when that's going to stop. We believe the real stopping point is going to be in the rapture, when Jesus comes again and catches away his waiting church. And I can't go into all that but you know that we look not for the Antichrist, who the Bible said is coming, but we're looking for the Christ, folks. We're looking for a time, and it could happen today, because the coming of Jesus, the rapture of the church, is imminent. It has been since he went away. Now, when we talk about the introduction of Christ into the world system and punishing wickedness in the world. We're talking about future then. There are certain things that have to precede that. But Jesus can come back anytime. He can come back anytime. He can spoil your lunch by taking you to the marriage supper of the Lamb and you won't even have to do dishes. Uh, he, he can spoil your plans for the afternoon. Uh, he, can, he can wipe all that out because Jesus is coming again. So what does this mean? Lift up your heads, because your redemption draws not. I thought we were redeemed, you say. Well, we have been. Our souls have been redeemed, haven't they? We have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, but we know that there's coming a time when there's going to be the redemption of the body because this old body, and I was talking to someone this morning about family reunions. Family reunions, oh, how good it is to see people we love again, except, except they're older. They got old. Aren't you glad we didn't? <laughs> we escaped it, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, and we... We see our relatives, they're, 
they're walking bent over and they're walking favoring joints and and maybe they got a tooth or two missing and they're different we still love them but they're different time has taken a toll time has wreaked its will on their body and we know that time is causing deterioration Romans 8:23 says and not only they it's talking about the whole creation but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the spirit hey that means being sanctified holy having gifts to work for Jesus even we ourselves groan within ourselves did you do that this morning when you got out of bed did you do that this morning when you were moving some sore joints we groan within ourselves maybe we groan out loud too maybe we ag- maybe we cause a little agony in our loved ones because they hear us groaning and sometimes they'll say uh, what does that mean what does that mean well they know what it means it hurts if it if it works it hurts is the saying if it works it hurts it says we groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption the adoption we are adopted into the family of god we're waiting it's happened but we're waiting that is to say we're waiting for the redemption of our body we're waiting for the redemption of our body and we know that the scripture says that we're all going to be changed in a moment corinthians 15 in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trump shall sound the dead in christ shall be raised incorruptible if they had a if they had a leg missing it's going to be back if they had if they had cancer it eat away part of their face like my uncle did it's going to be back they're going to be raised incorruptible they're not going to be raised with groaning and bent and broken bodies they're going to be raised they're going to be raised again incorruptible and then we which alive and are alive and remain are going to be caught up together with them to meet the lord in the air and so so shall we ever be with the lord god's plan's going to happen folks god's plan's going to happen i read you that story of how Israel became a nation, a few of the incidentals of that, or a few of the facts of that, I guess I should actually say. <clears throat> but my friend, be, be assured, God's, God's will is going to be accomplished and his kingdom is going to be set up. And the puny plans of men are going are gonna to be broken like toothpicks at Niagara Falls trying to stop the flow because God's will shall be accomplished. Will you stand with me this morning? Give you a moment if anybody wants to come and pray. 
Maybe somebody will listen to the audio that's put out and they'll, well, maybe I should get things right because I have unfinished business, certainly. If anybody has unfinished business, we ought to, ought to get it taken care of while we can take care of business. So we'll wait for a moment. Dear Lord, help us as we wait before you this morning. <clears throat> we look for your direction and guidance and your help. Thank you for the word this morning. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Help us, Lord, that our faith will be more stalwart, more, more firm than ever before, that we are God's people, and whatever this world does, as some of the things are described that are not very pleasant in what Jesus said, that we're gonna be brought before magistrates and uh, we're gonna be suffering some things, but he said that not a hair of your head's gonna perish. Lord, you're gonna keep your hand on us. So Lord, we wait for a moment. If there's any that need to pray, we pray, dear Lord, that they will do that. We ask that they would do that. And we ask, dear Lord, that you would have your hand upon us. Now I wonder before we dismiss, if there's anybody like to raise a hand, say pray for me. <clears throat> I have a need, I see that hand. I see that hand. <clears throat> Lord, we've asked for a show of hands this morning of any that have a need. We don't know the nature of the need. You know all about it. Lord, you've seen hands that are raised. And Lord, you see the hearts of those that are out listening on the audio. And we just pray, dear Jesus, that you'll come near in every need, that you will assure that your grace is sufficient, that they can find satisfaction through Jesus Christ. I pray, dear Lord, help them. If there's something that they can do, that they will do that. And if it's a matter of being faithful and being patient, that, Lord, you'll give them grace to do that. We ask, dear Lord, now that you'll go with us. Keep your hand on us. Thank you for your blessings and your goodness to us and for the promises of God and for the assurance that we are the redeemed of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are dismissed. <clears throat>